You are listening to the 3 and D pod. I'm your host, Justin Lewis. You can find me on Twitter at J underscore Timberfake underscore. You can find the podcast on Twitter at 3 and D pod. As always, we're a part of the three and uh, the Grizzly Bear Blues Network of Podcasts. Uh, you can find them on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies and online at grizzlybearblues.com. Make sure you check out the other podcast, uh, the Starting Five, the Core Four, and GBB Live. Uh, we're coming to you at halftime of the Chicago Bulls game because Ben and I are dads and we're older and we don't want to stay up till 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock recording a podcast. So, Ben, late night, what's up? What's going on, man? Uh, yeah, and that, you know, I just I just started a new schedule at work, so I, I, I go in now at 5 a.m. So, who knows? I mean, these t- games have been pretty tight lately. This has, this looks like it has potential for overtime. Uh, you know, you, you predicted a 3-2 and two week going into this week, and um, I said 5-0, and oh, which should be a thing going into the night. Uh, we'll get into that. But you're looking at being right on three and two, but maybe not the uh, the three wins we predicted. Uh, no, <laughs> that's typical Grizzlies basketball. That's how it works. Like you just got to throw a number out there, and you know, yeah, don't don't try to pick up straight up. Yeah, right. Um, but I don't know this this Bulls game so far at the half. It's a Grizzlies have a one point lead, and that feels like a miracle. Um, I, the bench unit was getting torched, and. Yeah. We'll we'll get into some of that as well. Um, before before we do, let's let's talk some panic meter um, type stuff. I want to I want to gauge your your panic meter. So the first thing um, I, I want to see where you're at on a one to ten. What's your panic level on the Grizzlies' performance the last two games? Um, yes, maybe a three. I'm not really that panicked about it. It's you know, they got off to a slow start yes, uh, against the Pacers. And with the Knicks, they weren't able to close out. And that was because they couldn't make free throws. Like, if they would have made free throws down the stretch, they had to make one, one of those free throws down the stretch, they would have won. You know, it looked like they had the game control. They just couldn't close. And uh, I'm not, I'm really not that worried. I mean, this is what happens in the NBA. And a habit. I mean, most of the games this season have been blowout wins, blowout losses. It, it, you know, it, it builds character. I should say, you know, these close games build character for when you get to the postseason. You really are a dad, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just not worried about it. it it's uh, it's a young, they're a young team. They're going to go through their lumps like this, you know, whether it's closing out games or not being able to win one when you get off to a slow start like last uh, against the – I keep saying last night because when we're recording it, but – Against Indiana, I mean, they had a chance to tie it, maybe take a lead. Jaw falls down, and the Pacers score, come back down. Desmond Bain tries to do something. He turns it over. I mean, it's it's what young teams do, you know. It, it It's the moment. Like, they try to do too much when you just slow it down a little bit. That's what the uh, the older teams do, you know. The, the, the veteran-laden teams – they know how to handle uh, moments like that, and that's what we're seeing with this young team. So I'm not really worried about it. Yeah, I, I'm not going to panic either for the same reasons. Um, they are the youngest team in the association. Um, they, they've got to learn how to close games. So sometimes the best way to learn is through failure, and uh, they can go back and correct some things that, that went wrong at the end of that game uh, against the Knicks. And then 
the the slow starts are a little concerning because they don't make sense. Um, I, I don't really understand how you can just come out so flat in a game and let a team come into your house when you finally have fans, uh, you know, in there and let them punch you in the mouth that way. I understand going on the road and getting punched in the mouth like that, but Indiana, a team below 500, for some reason just has Memphis's number. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I guess I'm with you, young team. Um, y- you finish out, you know, uh, the Bulls tonight and you got a uh, a three and two week, you, you know, that's staying above 500. And that's pretty much if you go three and two the rest of the way, you're, you're in the play in for sure. Um, and depending on what happens above you, you know, you, you could sneak up some, you don't, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, so I think, how much do you think the, the Grizzlies in these last two losses have missed the Anthony Milton? Um, I think a decent amount. It's, I think the thing about it more than anything is the fact when he does come back, Taylor Jenkins still hasn't really figured out how he's going to handle the rotation with all these wings and he's not being given a chance to. So the more these guys miss, you know, Grayson Allen misses a game here and there. DeAnthony Moulton's been out for a little bit. Jaron Jackson still hasn't come back. And as we get closer to the playoffs, you're probably going to want to tighten up that rotation and figure out what to go with. And I think that's the biggest thing right now because the Grizzlies have done fairly well. I mean, you know, they have a chance to go three and two in this five game week which is fine. It does hurt a little bit also on when you have a five game week, you don't have an extra body on the bench and you're going to have to go deep in the bench. Contrast playing a few more minutes than they probably would normally, he would normally play. But he's played and well. Him, he's played well. Yeah. No, no, that's no doubt about it. He's played well, but you really don't want to go that deep in the bench right now. I mean, he's fine. He, he's like you said, he's played well. And he's probably, you know, one of the better guys on that deep on that end of the bench in the league. Like we've talked about the Grizzlies depth. And I think that does hurt a little bit too when you do have a five game week and one of your better players, one of the guys that's been pretty consistent lately and pretty good, and you don't have him out there. But it is what it is. I mean, it's the NBA season. They've been dealing dealing with injuries all season long. So, what is your panic meter on the fact that he is he's missed this many games? Um, I'll go with the seven just because of the uh, the way Grizzlies their the franchise handles injuries. They're very vague about it's things. Soreness. It's a it's a pandemic itself. Yeah, and you know, coming back soon. And Jaron Jackson was coming back soon in January, and we're in April. <laughs> so that's that's more of my panic meter. I don't know. I, we talked about Melton. I thought he was going to be maybe out for a game or two. Left leg soreness. And he's still out. Yeah. I mean, what, what does that mean? What, what the what heck happened to your left leg? <laughs> right. That's to cause you to miss this amount of time. It's not just soreness unless – I don't even know what it – that's that's the only reason is because of the way the Grizzlies' front office has handled injuries. They're not very open about things, and their timetables are, you know, one of those things like, I'll be there in a minute, you know, yeah. 30 minutes later, oh, yeah, I'm on my way. Yeah. Um, 
So, you know, they, they announced that Winslow should be back soon. Or um, I think they even mentioned within a week or something like that. Um, and I'm, I'm going to be real honest with you. When Melton is playing and then Winslow wasn't, this team scored at an alarmingly high rate um, and played phenomenally without Justice Winslow. Is that a coincidence uh, or is that just a fluke? Uh, I don't. I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it's Justice Winslow still hasn't found his offensive game yet, and Melton firing all cylinders. Like he's he's found his offensive game. He's found his NBA game. He's found all that. He's improved so much this season. And Winslow's greatest asset is his defense and his length. And that's kind of why I think you see a difference on how the Grizzlies perform with Winslow in the lineup and out of the lineup. Like you needed Winslow in a game like against the Pacers where they're just scoring, you know, they're, I don't know if they, yeah, they got a hundred in the first three quarters. And that, that's the game where you need Winslow. I mean, it'd be nice to have Melton too, trying to keep up with a team like that. But if you have Winslow out there, they're not scoring at will as much. uh, I don't think. Yeah, so you've got for sure three rotational players out in in Jaron, Justice, and Milton. But you could probably argue those may be your three best defensive players on your roster also yeah. being out. Um, so them giving up the points that they have is, is not fully surprising, but basketball is a team sport. Um, I feel like you should be able to figure that out. Um, but the the Indiana game seemed like a a game long defensive lapse. Um, they just could not get on the same page. I don't know if it was lack of communication, um, lack of game planning, lack of adjustments by the coaching staff. But how many Karis Levert mid range jumpers does it take for you to figure out something different than what you're doing? Like, hey, maybe let's go under the screen if I'm Dylan Brooks and make him shoot it from a little bit deeper than letting him get to his spot. You know, yeah, Karis Levert, he's played three games against the Grizzlies this season. Uh, I think once with Brooklyn and the other two with uh, with Indiana, and he just torched the Grizzlies. So you should know that you have to figure out how to stop him, and then everything else should be okay. But they couldn't. I mean, the numbers I looked it up, I have them right in front of me in three matchups with Dylan Brooks, Karis Levert on an average per game. Uh, Dylan Brooks average uh, guards Karis LeVert 4.9 minutes a game. You know how many points Karis LeVert scores in 4.9 minutes against uh, Dylan Brooks? 10. T- 10.7. He's scoring more than two points per minute when Dylan Brooks is guarding him. That is awful. So you have to figure out what maybe it's a double. I don't know. I mean, you, you do miss DeAnthony. Injustice uh, in a game like that because they can help on the defense defensive end. Like when I was referring to Justice and DeAnthony, like Justice isn't giving you much on the offensive end. He his he's defense. DeAnthony will give you something on both ends, but his offense has been what's kind of gotten people to notice him a little bit more this season. Well, you know, you you put out this stat about Dylan and getting shredded by Levert. Um, last night against the Pacers, it wasn't Dylan's fault at all. It was it was Jonas Valanciunas. You know he, that man. Yeah. He is he is such a bad basketball player 
It is completely his fault that we are a 500 team. And he, he just quite – he should just be cut. We should just wait and send him on to some contender uh, to be a backup big in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, dude has a career night, and he's the reason the Grizzlies lost. It's insane, man. What a scapegoat. He goes 34 and, what, 22? Only yeah. the sixth time in NBA history that stat line gets put up, and he's the reason that we lost? Get yeah. out of here. Yeah, I think the – I know Joe got a little heat uh, from what he calls the the JV hive, but here's the deal. It's like it's just gotten out of control on blaming JV for – pretty much every loss. Like, I understand that he's not great on the pick and roll. Him and Jod, you know, they, they get shredded on that. And But Jonas scored 10 of their last 14 points when they closed the gap against Indiana to have a chance to win. And it seems like there are times in which the Grizzlies, when they either – like a team gets close, they feed JV and they extend the lead again. You know, I, I know that they – I can agree with Joe when – Jaron comes back. I, I'm fine with Jonas coming off the bench. He's not coming off the bench or at least starting. And then Jaron closing as the five. I'm fine with that. I understand that his minutes can be cut when it comes down to it and that he is a liability on the defensive end. But to say that he's the reason the Grizzlies are losing, Joe didn't say that he was the reason the Grizzlies are losing. I saw that out there. But I just know that uh, Joe got a little heat. Uh, by talking about uh, Jonas last night, or I guess what Sunday night after the uh, the Grizzlies lost to the Pacers. Yeah, and also he he, he compares him to a donut, and he says a donut's not a meal. <laughs> but you know what? I've had a donut before, and I called it breakfast, and breakfast is a meal. So there are situations in which a donut is a meal. That that is. Correct. Yeah, I think it was Parker filming that um, said the the donut analogy. Um, for me, in Valanciunas and the Jaron Jackson um, debate, or you know whatever it may be, um, I, I don't think Valanciunas belongs on the bench. Just like we're starting Grayson Allen for what he provides, I think early um, Valanciunas is somebody that needs to be on the floor. Um, to be especially when you're on the road and you got to find your legs, you got to find your shot in a different gym. He's somebody you can just feed the ball down to down low, get some easy early buckets, and and then roll from there. Um, and his rebounding, I, I just think he just stays in the starting lineup. But I am completely fine with him um, being off the floor when we close because of Jaron's ability to switch. Um, that there's not a problem with that, but to scapegoat him and say that he's his his defense is the reason. I, we just watched in the Chicago game in the first half, um, Daniel Tice and Lori Markinen shred in the pick and roll. Yeah. And Jonas is not on the floor. It's Xavier Tillman and Kyle Anderson, and, and we praise them as defensive players. But it's Jonas's fault in the pick and roll. So what I'm starting to, to see, because Dylan doesn't do well in the pick and roll sometimes, he, he gets just left on pick and rolls at times. Yeah. So maybe it's a team philosophy or a team approach to defending the pick and roll that maybe needs to be revisited. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, we saw these stats. I think it was – was it Peter Edmiston that put up um, the stats today on when Jaw scores a certain amount of points and then 
uh, it was, uh, well, Andy Sane tweeted it out, but I think it was on the radio. He referred to Edmonton because I think Peter said it on the radio show and Anthony tweeted it out. So, yes, it was in reference to what Peter said. All right. So I'm going to pull up um, what, what Sane said today uh, because we, we need to address context. And here it is. 3-0 and when Jaw scores single digits. 4-0 and when JV scores single digits. 13-7 and when Jaw scores less than 15. Five and eight when JV scores more than twenty. Four and twelve when Jaw scores more than twenty. You can cherry pick any stat for any player and make them either right. look bad or look good. I do it with Dylan Brooks all the freaking time. Except <laughs> with, with Dylan Brooks, you can only cherry pick like one good stat. You know, there's not a, the stats don't lie with Dylan Brooks. Like I can pull together whatever stat, and I really can't make him look good. Except for this last couple of weeks, that's a different story. But this this stat here. They are seven and zero when either Jaw or JV scores in single digits. So this is what this is what I see out of this little number, whatever they want to throw out there. When our wings are playing at a high level together, we got multiple guys that are on that night. Whether it's Grayson and and DeAnthony, or there's that one night that all four of them were on. Um, they don't need Jaw and JV to go do the bulk of the scoring, right? Hello. Of course they're going to do well when they have four wing players doing well or two wing players doing well because it's a wing league. It's a three-point shooting league. So if those guys have their shot fallen, Jaw doesn't have to be aggressive on offense. They don't have to feed Valanciunas. But when Jaw goes and scores more than 20, it's probably because his teammates are letting him down and not knocking down shots. So he's got to go attack the rim. And at that point, he's got, so he fills the game out early. Well, by the time he goes and figures out, hey, my guys may not have it tonight, you're already trailing. I would dare venture yeah. that most of the time – because you think about it, like at halftime, in a lot of those games where he scores more than 20, he's got like eight points or seven points. And he goes in there at halftime, they're trailing, oh, I got to turn it on, and it's too late at that point. So it's a it's a cherry-picked stat for me, these – whatever saying threw out there on, on Twitter today, there's there's no context involved in it at all. Um, and it completely diminishes the value of both Ja Morant and Jonas Valanciunas by saying we don't need them to score to win. Yeah, and, I mean, I I text you about it. It's two of the four games in which Jonas scored single digits, he was he got, either got injured or he had to, it was the COVID game, in which he had to leave the game. Another one was both Ja and uh, Jonas scored single digits when they beat Houston by 49 points. The, their minutes were cut. Everybody was eaten in that game except for those two because they didn't need them to. I just want to provide a little context in those stats on 7-0 when those two, you know, combine when they score single digits because we're probably going to see that stat again because you know how when someone throws out a stat like that, it gets used over and over and over to try and prove a point. The context in those, those – the stats themselves do prove what they're trying to get across, like you said – it's better, the Grizzlies are better when everybody's pitching in, when everybody's feasting, when all the wings are hitting. That's fine. I, I'm okay with you using stats to prove that. But I just don't want the ones in which they say that they're 7-0 and when they score single digits to kind of go a life of their own, basically, like you said, casting a bad light on Jonas and Ja and kind of diminishing their value to the team. Right, so – I believe it was the Knicks game was on NBA TV. Um, and they they mentioned on the broadcast, uh, 
that the Grizzlies have a like they don't lose when they get thirty more thirty or more assists in a game. Well, on those nights when you have thirty more assists, that means your team, your everybody's pitching in, everybody's getting to the hole, yeah. knocking down shots, doing that. So ideally, yes, with the way the Grizzlies system works, because you don't have a superstar scorer like a Bradley Beal or a um, Jimmy Butler or somebody that can just give him the ball, go get a bucket. They've they've got to rely on on everybody being involved and in, in getting the looks that they create. Um, so I, I get what they're trying to say, but I think they just chose the wrong way to say it. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, that that that's a good point on the the assists. It's like, I mean, that's how most teams are. Like, if you can get contributions from more than two guys, you're probably going to be a better team than the one you're going against because you know it's easier to stop one or two guys that are going off i mean sometimes it's not i mean indiana but sometimes it is and but when everybody's hitting it's just you know all you can do is just kind of do your best but at the end of the day you're probably hanging your head because you're like man i can't we just can't stop these guys yeah, um, we so we are uh, third quarter. Chicago is up 61-57. Um, I just see on Twitter that Chris Vernon said, wait till you see this Morant dunk. Have I missed it? Yes. I missed it? Yes. Was it Was it great? Uh, it was pretty good. Uh, I have <laughs> – the Braves have two runners on in the bottom of the ninth uh, tie game, so I was, I was trying to watch that one end. Anyways, um, yeah, so – yeah, I'm working on this piece on, on Jonas Valanciunas, and he's in the midst of a career year. Um, points per game, shooting percentage, rebounds, um, all of it. His offensive efficiency is at the highest that it is. His defensive efficiency is actually at the worst, but that's something that also has a nuance to it. There's some context that needs to be involved in that because the defensive rating also depends on who else is on the floor um, at the same time as him. So, sure, there's probably some other – like, him and Josh probably shouldn't play a lot of defense together. Let's just be honest. <laughs> um, but, like, him and him and Milton and, and Winslow, like, sure. But, again, I think they need to revisit the pick and roll because we've seen tonight it doesn't matter who's being used in the pick and roll. Um, the Grizzlies are struggling to defend it. And it's like the staple of every NBA offense. Um, so, if, if you can't defend that, which – Somehow the Grizzlies are like a, a, still a top defensive efficiency team. Um, I don't know. It's wild. Let's let's revisit the the Pacers though, and I want to bring this up. Why can't the Grizzlies beat the Pacers or the Pelicans? Like what the heck? They they destroy. Like we can't beat them. I, I don't know what it is. I, I really don't. It, you feel like every time you go and play them, you're like, all right you got the upper hand and you know, after the, the, the loss to the Knicks, you thought maybe, okay, well they had the Knicks and then they missed free throws that, you know, that's fine. That's going to happen. Bounce back against uh, Indiana. You're back home. You can't do it. I, I, I don't know what it is. And you know, the Pelicans, they were struggling. Like they were probably at their lowest point of the season earlier, earlier on. And they just destroyed the Grizzlies. Yeah, and they are the most yeah, they're the most non-shooting roster I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> like 
even some of the old school days of the NBA, like had more shooting on their roster than this Pelicans team does. Granted, Lonzo Ball has been an improved shooter this year, but when you run out a lineup that has Zion and Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe in it, it's not a whole lot of perimeter shooting that's going to be taking place. But for whatever reason, they just kill us. And it sucks because Grizz Twitter wants so badly to be rivals with New Orleans, but they've had our number, period. Yeah. And, and then Indiana didn't even have Miles Turner um, play for them the other night. Um, Sabonis has his way with whoever is guarding him, uh, whether it's going to be Jaron or Jonas or Tillman or Clark. Can't stop him. Levert, as you pointed out, owns Dylan Brooks. And then Justin Holiday. where was that when he played for us? <laughs> I know. I think that every time I'm like, this is the same Justin Holiday that played for the Grizzlies, right? God, man, he's a freaking sniper out there. This, I, this, I don't know. This, this Patriots team doesn't make any sense. Their record doesn't. Like no, there's six. There's six man rotation of of Brogdon, Levert. Um, then they got Jeremy Lamb come off the bench, and then you've got Sabonis and Miles Turner, and then I don't even remember who started. Just Dougie McBucket started at the three for them, while T.J. Warren's out, or no, that Edmund Sumner kid started at the three. Um, yeah, and they still got T.J. Warren to come back. Like they should be better than their record is. Um, I don't know if it's just them getting Levert, uh, you know, introduced to the, to the team and the system or, or what it is, but uh, they, them losing to the Pacers is easier for me to swallow because I see the, the talents on that roster losing to the Pelicans stings quite a bit every time. Yeah. I mean, I, I was high on the, the Pacers when they traded for Levert. In fact, I went and put a, a small bet on them to come out of the East because I thought like maybe a sleeper team, you know, you catch Brooklyn or whatever, you catch Brooklyn sleeping or somebody else knocks out Brooklyn. And I thought Indiana had the pieces if it came together. And uh, luckily I was able to cash it out uh, about a month ago. when I knew it wasn't going to win. And I, I, I was able to get about 70% of the money I paid down. So 70% is better than 0%. And so I, I, I it's a loss, but that's how confident I was in Indiana. Like, I thought that they had something. I, they have talent there. It's just, I guess, health, maybe, and coming together as a team. Yeah, I mean, they haven't had TJ all season. Levert was out with that, with that just crazy story that he was under. You know, Turner has been – he's been great early, but he's been out some. So, maybe it is health. Um, whatever it is, I thought for sure they were going to be a top-four seed um in the east and obviously until brooklyn went and got james harden but uh right i don't know man the grizzlies this this up and down stuff um you know bryce hayes on twitter today um tweeted out that memphis was the the second most stressed out city in the in the (laughs) in the united states and i i was like this the grizzlies are going to kill us this you know getting our hopes up when we go and just smack the Sixers and um, the Heat and the Hawks. Like we go out there and just just beat the crap out of them, and then you lose to the freaking Knicks and Pacers, both of which are under five hundred. Um, you're just you're left confused, uh, trying to figure it out. But then we have to remind ourselves the youth of this team is a very real thing. Um, the youth of your head coach is a very real thing as well. Um, he is very much still learning. 
Um, and like you said earlier, he's not had a chance to really put together the rotation that he wants to put together. Um, this is all experimental for him. So, and it's, it's patchwork and getting us, it, it's, it should be a uh, pat on the back to him that we're even the eight seed right now, when you're missing your second best player in a loaded Western conference, you've dealt with the amount of injuries that you dealt with. Um, I don't know. We just, we just got to keep the, perspective in the right place when we're looking at this team yeah and I'm, I'm getting tired of the Grizzlies are getting lucky you know Miles Turner's not playing or Grizzlies are getting lucky so-and-so is not playing for so-and-so it's like Jim Jackson hadn't played all season like it every time you know I mean, if we had so-and-so like with the Hawks well you know John Collins and all this and that's like no Hey, the Grizzlies are missing players too. They're missing DeAnthony Melton. They're missing Justice. They're missing Jaron Jackson. They're missing just as many pieces, maybe not as many starters, but just as many pieces in the rotation as the Hawks are. So I'm not feeling sorry for them. So if the pick and roll defense wasn't a big enough struggle for the Memphis Grizzlies, I just watched a set where the Chicago Bulls ran a double screen with uh, Vucevic and uh, Daniel Tice, and it must be communication. That's that's the problem here because both Valanciunas and Grayson Allen stayed with the ball handler, leaving uh, Vucevic uh, wide open up top in his sweet spot um, from three. But he he drove in and we got lucky on an offensive foul call. Um, is I mean Valanciunas is supposed to be the anchor of the D is a man in the middle. Is he just not communicating? Um, does he not see the floor well enough to communicate correctly? Like there's there's got to be something going on with this pick and roll defense that causes them to just get beat so easily like that is he's thinking that somebody else is picking up the guy i mean i i, I don't know i don't yeah. i don't know if it's coaching or what the deal is but is it are we switching everything are we not switching everything are we switching some are we calling it out as we go like i mean it's I, kind I of like... reminds me sometimes of like when we're playing pickup you know you're, you're, you're picking your five guys, you're out there, and some guys have played together, so they're setting picks, and they know how to do that. And you don't know if you're switching or you're not calling it out. You're just you're just you're following the ball handler pretty much. Like if you're guarding the ball handler, you're, you're chasing them down. You're not switching. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. The pickup analogy is a pretty good one because sometimes the way the Grizzlies play defense, it does look like pickup ball defense where uh, you ain't got a clue what's going on. And then you got possessions that Morant has where he gets a screen set on him and he ain't fighting too hard to get over it. Um, yeah. So, well, I think that's all we got for uh, this episode. Uh, as we sign off, the, the Grizz are currently down six to Chicago, and I need this to change because one of the assistant baseball coaches at the high school um, is a Bulls fan, and he talks a lot. And I tweeted at him and told him the Bulls suck. So I, I need the Grizzlies to uh, back me up here. Grizzlies need this one because they got Dallas next. And Dallas has gotten into a groove. Yeah. So anything you, the, anything you want to throw out there when we sign off? Uh, I got a question about you. Is you, Are you in your troll? Are y'all now like friends? <laughs> oh, uh, I, man. I just took a different approach with him. And instead of arguing with him, I just either feed into it or just agree with him. Um, 
and it's just been a it's been a shift in mood uh, as far as it goes with the troll. Um, he's actually sending me a John Morant basketball card, um, so that's uh, that's pretty cool. Look at look at the grown ups <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> uh, Speaking of basketball cards, I got fifty five basketball cards yesterday for my birthday, um, and I pulled out three Jaron Jacksons, and uh, two of them were holographics. Uh, I got a holographic Chris Paul, a holographic Jokic, a holographic Zion. Um, I, every pack I opened, I was just like, please, God, don't be Dylan Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> we were searching for a John Morant. Uh, didn't get one. Uh, luckily, somebody came through on Twitter and sold me a John Morant rookie card uh, for, a, for a good price. Because on eBay, man, I'd bid up to 10 bucks, and then I'd be like, I'm not going above this. And then I yeah. I get the email saying what it sold for. These John Morant panini prisms on ebay i just got an email about 30 minutes ago one of them went for 180 dollars that uh i haven't I haven't bought a pack of cards in about maybe 10 years you can't find uh, them anywhere target does target not have them they're sold out everywhere man really so i haven't the, looked the ones i'm buying are the ones that come with one card and five stickers so you're paying two dollars to get a card um, so we just bought a box set of them for my birthday, but you can't find like the five pack of cards or the 10 pack of cards anywhere. Cause I mean, I used to, I mean, there was Tennessee card company back here in Memphis. Yep. You know, I would go, I would spend pretty much, I would try and go every weekend. I would do yard work. I'd go to the neighbors. Hey, I cut your yard, whatever to get money. And I'd go buy, like, I just go buy a box. You could spend so much time in that store. Oh Yeah. Like uh, the best one that I ever pulled there was uh was a Randy Johnson the autographed game worn patch jersey patch, and they're like, man, we opened like five boxes of cards looking for just one of those, and you walk in here and buy a pack. They like, you know, they offer me like twenty five percent of the the price, and I'm like, no, now it's not worth as much, whatever. But maybe it's back up. I need to check, but it wouldn't hurt to check. But um... I. I want to get back into buying sports cards, especially since they're back on the uh, upswing. But I got, I got to figure out where to find them around here. It's it's tough, and they're going like they're going for insanely high prices online. Um, on Top Shot, I got me a John Morant moment. I bought it for eleven dollars in the marketplace. It was the cheapest okay. Morant moment there was. It was a, a layup against the Spurs, where he kind of went up and under somebody's arm. Um, so. Well, it is the start of the fourth quarter. The Grizzlies are down four heading into it uh, as we sign off of here. Uh, ben, get some rest. Uh, don't, you as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got to go uh, edit this podcast, and the Braves are headed to extra innings. So it seems like, <laughs> seems like my teams are going to keep me up tonight. But uh, have fun starting your new shift. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, Good luck well, here, uh, you're brave, even though, you know, we'll see you on the playoffs probably. It's a Cardinal I, fan. I do not want to see the Cardinals in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we are the uh, the Pacers and Pelicans to your Grizzlies. God, if that is not the truest thing I've ever seen. Anyways, this has uh, been another episode of the 3 d Podcast. For Ben, I am Justin. We'll see you guys next time.